0: Welcome back to episode four of the bus stop. I got another good one for you today. I have my first guest, uh, the hall of famer coach, Tony Grijalva. He'll tell his story. We'll talk a little bit about some trending topics, but really you're going to want to hear his story and his road to being a hall of fame coach here on the bus stop podcast. And really heard, Uh, but they they won the two games. I said, I didn't know if they could do that. They did just that. They closed it out over the MVP, uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden. And again, the MVP thing around Joel Embiid continues to cause issue with certain people because they believe Jokic was the MVP and not. Embiid. Uh so the run for the Sixers is over and now I start to wonder if the bubble in 2020 was that a fluke because three years later we have the exact same matchup that we did then as we do now Miami and Boston LA and Denver and I I wonder last time we had LA versus Miami in the end. Miami is going to be a tough out. Both both series for the conference uh, finals are going to be electric. It's going to be a series on both sides where it's going to be hard to tell. It's a toss up at this point. I don't know if history will fully repeat itself with L.A. and Miami, but I know that it's going to be a tough out for anybody here in the finals. So the bubble, I don't know. Everybody said it was a fluke. I don't know. Now only time will tell. So we'll see. Uh, I just, I Tatum 51 points in game seven. You can't ask for much more from your star player than to put his team on his back and deliver a victory. And it was close uh, for a good foreseeable part all the way up until a little bit of the third. And then Boston just pulled away in a fashion that, um, It wasn't very Game 7-like for the Sixers. Uh, When you're Game 7, you want to keep it close all the way through, but Boston took care of business. Uh, The Lakers took care of business in Game 6. I just don't know uh, what more you wanted to see from LeBron and company, but nonetheless, shout-out to Boston for doing the two games that I didn't think they would be able to. As far as looking at the West, again, L.A. taking care of business for the Warriors. They're going to have to look themselves in the mirror and wonder what's next. Uh, obviously, Curry has to stay, but Thompson, I don't know if he stays. I don't know if Draymond stays. I don't know what that team is going to look like if they try to run it back. I mean, this this group has gotten four titles together, mix and match the bench, mix and match some veterans behind them. But, if they're going to run it back, they need a big, they need somebody who can defensively be responsible for AD and protect the paint. So that's going to have to be something that's addressed. It could be that simple, right? Keep some of the bench together, but go out and find yourself a big man that can hold down the fort and, or blow the whole thing up. I don't know what golden state, what they will try to do, but that's going to be an interesting part of the NBA off season. Obviously, uh um, it was wide open once the two and three seeds from the West lost. Once the one seed from the East lost, this thing became completely wide open. And it was probably up until this point, it's been one of the more exciting playoff runs that I remember watching uh, since the bubble. So it's going to be fun starting this week for the conference finals. And we're just that much closer uh, to the finals where I, I just I can't pick a dog in either one of them. But if I had to say, because I got some friends that love Boston, give me Boston on that side. I just think Jimmy Butler's a tough out. And on the other side, who who can bet against LeBron? Betting against LeBron is like betting against Tom Brady. You just don't do it uh, when it matters the most. Right now, we're going to have a guest. I'm going to bring him on here in just a second. The Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Tony Grijalva, he was an inductee of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame class in 2020. Uh, he was the head coach of Franklin High School from 2000 to 2007, had a tremendous career in the seven years that he was there. Uh, well, from, from 2000 to 2007, five district titles, four by district championships, and a really magical playoff run that I don't think anybody from that team we will ever forget and he'll tell you more about it uh elite eight of the five eight state playoffs which is something that uh isn't done a whole lot uh especially in el paso and his overall record get this was 61 and 19 the guy just won uh the entire time he was there 61 wins to 19 losses and you'll hear all about his story and more as, as we bring him on so coach uh you sort of climbed up the Tatum pole when it became to coaching. You started off in middle school, and so talk to me about the journey from middle school to finally becoming the head coach of a football program.
1: Yeah, it's probably doesn't happen anymore. And and actually, I started in elementary school. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, I started at Alamo in elementary school back in '74, something like that. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, back in those days, you know, things were a lot different, obviously. And so, uh, you know, I just sort of made my way up and I I went to Alamo. Then I I was moved, transferred to Putnam. Uh, Then I moved up. I wanted wanted to actually coach. Uh, Well, you know, the funny thing, let me go back real quick. The funny thing, at Alamo back then, it was in elementary school, sixth grade, but they had competitive sports in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So I coached football, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Uh, basketball and track, and so yeah, I, I think that th- that was a good experience for me because I was the the head coach, the athletic director, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the trainer. <laughs> so that, that sort of got me, uh, you know sort of used to uh, dealing with different you know problems that may arise. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, and I w- I kept on moving up and moving up, and you know, I enjoyed it more and more and. You know, until I finally landed at Franklin. And,
0: and so when you got to Franklin, obviously fourth, fifth, and sixth, you're managing all that. It's like uh, a, a pro, like a tree pre-trial to what <laughs> you're going to run into at Franklin. And so right. when you got to Franklin, what was the one thing you knew immediately had to change when you got there? Or what's some of the improvements because of all the experience you had leading up to it? What did you know that needed to be done?
1: Well, I knew that I would have to spend more time. <laughs> More time uh, in the in the program, you know, even even coaching ninth grade at Lincoln, you know, freshman, uh, I would I would go out to Coronado and, and uh, help the Coronado staff, Coach Brooks, Coach Corals, and uh, but not to the extent that you know, it's you're a full time high school high school football coach. And I know things have changed nowadays, uh, a lot of improvements, a lot of technology, but uh, uh, nonetheless, I, I thought that was the one thing. That I knew was going to happen, and you know, my wife and I sat down and talked about it because you know I, I mentioned it. I'm not gonna be around that that much, you know, that, that more much often. And you know, we we really started wondering. She didn't really care about that. <laughs> it didn't bother her that much. But no, it's it, it was just another step. That's pretty much it.
0: And okay. So you get to Franklin, you start, you know, you mentioned coach Brooks, you mentioned coach Coral. You you, you had a lot of legendary coaches oh, yeah. from the West side already kind of, you've worked with them, then you coached beside them. And so how much did that help being around all that talent?
1: Uh, it was, it was tremendous. It's, 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 it was like another world, you know, going up from, uh, uh, seventh grade at Franklin, I mean, excuse me, at Lincoln, where I really didn't associate that much with the with the Coronado program. It, it was more with the head coach there at Franklin. I mean, I keep saying Franklin, at uh, Lincoln. And it wasn't until I, I moved up to ninth grade head that I was more involved with with them. And, you know, just, just seeing, of course, you know, there wasn't the other situation, Christian, was that Coronado at that time was the only high school on the west side, you know, there was a lot of talent, a lot of talent there, and, and a lot of good coaches as well. But I, I, I learned to, uh, I learned this thing as managing time, and uh, preparing practice schedules, and, and and even techniques for for the different uh, for the different uh, um, positions. So, oh yeah, it was it was extremely valuable for me. It really was. And now you look at it, too. In reality, you said Coronado was the only
0: school uh, school over there. Still to this day, there's only two, three, if you're going to count. And and it's crazy, right? We see three schools, two schools on the west side. And then you see all these schools on the east side, all (laughs) these schools in central. So it seems like Coronado and Franklin, that's why they're kind of in the conversation every year to be a top team. I know Coronado had a little bit of a slump. Uh, right. Now, now they seem to be climbing out of it, but with that, you knew you were going to have talent. So right. you implemented the defenses and the offenses that you did. But why did you choose the offense that you chose, which gave you that opportunity for a big run in the in the playoffs?
1: Well, you know, I coached during a period of time where the uh, the main offense was a uh, two back set, usually either a split back or an I formation. It was isolated. What they call power now. It was isolation. ISO uh, plays and uh, bootlegs and traps and you know things like that. And uh, around here in in this area, uh, that was that was the right offense to run. It it really uh, we were successful with it. Uh, We we did. Our coaches did a good job coaching it, and you know we were successful. But then we started to realize. Okay, here comes uh, the playoffs. well, the by district round was still here in El Paso uh, and then going to what we we'll, what we now call the area round, we had to meet in most cases Midland league. Uh, <laughs> you cannot play power football against Midland Lee; they'll out- outpower you at, at any point so you know? and uh yeah, but we just got tired of going over there and getting to the second round and you know getting beat and coming back home and and that's the way it seemed to be for, you know, for quite a while. And, and it wasn't until I, I actually went to a football clinic uh, early on and, and uh, I, I uh, listened to this coach from back time, back at that time. It was Baytown Lee. I remember. And uh, he was implementing the spread offense. You know, one we of the first ones to, to do that. Uh, I think it's outside of Houston. Uh, and he's showing film, but then, you know, you look at the film and, you you see the, the offense, the way it's run, the trips, the the open sets, the empties. But then you look at the quality of those receivers and the quarterback. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if we can do that here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh hey, you know, we took it one step at a time, you know, started implementing first a one back set with a tight end. Okay. And then moved it around and no tight end. Now, now we're going to open both sides of the formation. And you know, just little things like that. And we found that it gave us uh, a better chance against Midland League. The last year that we played Midland League with Cedric Benson, uh, we played in the Sun Bowl. Uh, we lost by six points, but we had been losing wow. by 40. And it was because we made them adjust. We, we made they, they couldn't play that five-man front anymore. We had to make them adjust and, and move things around. And so I just thought, Well, well, if it works that year, let's go ahead and continue to, to improvise and, and improve it. And that's what we did.
0: And did anybody
1: give you, uh, you know, maybe grief or pushback?
0: Was there sort of resistance within the coaching staff, the parents, was there other coaches around that were saying, what are you doing coach? This is not what we do here. Was there right. anything like that during that transition?
1: Well, the, there was a little bit of talk. I mean, you know, you, for us at that time when we were starting off at Franklin, it was, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, and and, and, uh, I, and like I said, it was fine when we competed here in, in the area, here in El Paso. And in Las Cruces. We, we played the Las Cruces school. But, uh, you know, uh, we were we I wanted to get a little bit further, you know, push it a little bit more. And in order to do that, we, we did have to, you know, we did have to sort of change. Yeah, I get a little bit uh, of pushback, especially from, from our defensive coaches, because, you know, they're going, you know, well, what are you doing? You know, you're it's three, three and out, three and out, you have to punt. So, well, I mean, everybody has to punt. Doesn't matter what kind of offense you run. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, that took a little bit of, uh, of an adjustment. But, you know, eventually it worked pretty well.
0: And it did. It took you all the way to Texas Stadium, which yes, sir. in a way is it's something that you know, we look at. It, you were one of the first ones to ever go that far and and go under the big star in Dallas Cowboy locker room. But yeah. the thing, it was your offense, but it was also your defense, the Black oh, Swarm sure. and yes. it's called the Black Swarm. And time and time again, working with you, I always hear coaches come up to you say, they're trying to reinvent the Black Swarm, and it's just <laughs> – there's been teams that maybe could do it for a little bit, but they can't do it. You, know, you did it back then. So
1: how hard was it to get the Black Swarm to be the Black Swarm? It was hard. It, it was hard. It, I think the first step was having our players, and not just the first team, but every, everyone on the team, to, uh, uh, to buy into it. We had to buy into that back. You know? Sometimes you want to play football and you, know, you want to chase the ball, you want to you do this, but you have an assignment. And we had to try and convince our players: you have an assignment to do, and that's it. Don't do somebody else's assignment; let them do it. Okay, and if they can't do it, we'll find somebody else. But and and you know that sort of helped us. Uh, you know, we played a gap defense, and and everybody understood what gap they had, with what flow they have, and you know those types of things. Then we just rep it and rep it and rep it, and you know they they got they got to the point where they're very comfortable with it.
0: And. and- Okay, so you get them to buy into it. The offense is going well. The defense is going well. You have this run. And yeah. normally, when you get to a certain round of the playoffs, you got to meet halfway. Yeah. So there was a problem, right? A Dallas yes, there team was. And, and yes, you. was. So walk me through the problem and, and walk me through how you ended up at Texas Stadium.
1: Yeah, well, that year, it was 2006, and our, our first-round game was against San, Antonio, uh, San Angelo Central. Uh he uh the coach there wanted to play meet halfway. I said, Well, you know what, why don't you why don't we flip home and home? You know? Yeah. and uh if you if you win, we have to go to San Angelo. And he says, Yeah, but if I lose, we have to come to El Paso. Said, that's that's why you flip. So I was fortunate to win flip. So we played an ensemble and uh uh we did pretty well. We we beat them and uh then the next round we went to, we went to Midland against the Mansfield team uh, Mans, uh Mansfield Summit they were and uh they were ranked like i don't know maybe 7th in the state at that time they had had a bunch of good players and uh we were down 28-0 in the first quarter and you know we're looking i'm looking around at, at the players and, and the coaching staff and you know they start to get a little down so you know one of the one of the main responsibilities of, of the head coach is it's to keep everybody's spirits up, you know, and and so I started walking up and down the bench and said, well, we can do this. We can do this. And and uh, we fought back uh, and, uh, and we got within two touchdowns and then we tied in, in the third quarter. Uh, we actually went ahead in the fourth quarter after we stopped them. Uh, we stopped them on three consecutive drives and uh we ended up winning which was great i mean the the kids a lot of the kids that that we had well you know we had athletes i i, I can't yeah, we had good coaches and good athletes that's the reason why we got there in the first place but uh, uh yeah i remember talking to uh, uh we, we had to play ulis trinity who was the defending state champions uh, and uh they were undefeated going going into to this round uh this game and uh, you know, I, I was talking to Kenny on uh, before. He's our athletic director. And well, what are you gonna do? Do we want to meet halfway? And no, I asked, well, so, what are the options? So, well, we can meet halfway, or we can flip, and uh, they can come over here. We can go over there. And so the next question is, where is over there? You know, Dallas is a big place. <laughs> yeah. It's a big place. You know, where where are we going to play? I talked to Coach Lionweaver. Steve Lionweaver was the head coach at that time. And he, and he tells me, Tony, he says, uh, if you want, we can come and play at Texas Stadium. Yeah. So I, I, that, that afternoon after practice, I, told, I asked the kids, the, our players after practice, yeah, where do we want to play? How many of you want to go to Texas Stadium? Well, hell, that was, it was unanimous. <laughs> you know, we're going to Texas Stadium. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go. And, and that's how we got there.
0: Easiest question, I think, ever,
1: right?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there was no doubt. Because normally, in order to get to, to Dallas Stadium, you got to be in the semifinal or the final. Right. And, and right. so this was a, a, a
1: gift, a reward for for your kids. It was. It, it, it definitely was. And, you know, I, I always tell anybody that, that I can, I always tell them, you know, that team, that year's team is probably, what, 30 in their late 30s, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe mid-30s. But, you know, when I still run into them uh, around town at the, gro- at the grocery store or somewhere, you know, the first thing they say, Coach, remember Texas Stadium? That's <laughs> you don't forget. You know, you, really, you don't forget. I, I had not forget. I got pictures up here in my, in, in my office, uh, you know, still pictures of Texas Stadium. And uh, it, it was just an experience. And
0: it ties all well together, right? The, the sure. being down 28 to zero and then having right. that momentous comeback in, in the second yeah. half and then yeah. leading into the Texas stadium, it just seems like it was almost storybook for that 2016.
1: Yeah. Right. And you know, and I, I had individuals tell me, you know, you're crazy. Why are you going to their house to play over there? You know, you stop and think about it. Number one, it's, they're defending state champions, they're undefeated. It doesn't matter where we play them. you know <laughs> Why not get something out of it what why not don't, why not why get something out of it for the kids you know and and give them a reward for for that and you know going in, we had won like twelve in a row, twelve games in a row it, they' they'll probably won't never have the that opportunity again, so you know it's there in front of us. take it, and we did. And uh, so walk me through it. You guys are taking the long bus
0: ride <laughs> over to Dallas. That's, yep. that's a nightmare. The furthest I think I've gone is, is Odessa or maybe Midland. And I know that that's tough <laughs> right, uh, on a bus full of kids. But So you take that long bus ride, you get to Dallas, you get to Texas Stadium. What's that first initial feeling? And what is the first thing you guys do when you get to
1: the field? Oh God! It was. It's. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, really. First of all, it was. A, it, it ended up being a twelve-hour drive on on the bus. Uh, that in itself was uh, was a challenge. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, we got there the night before. Uh, went to, went to dinner and then went to the room and and, and the next day we figured, okay, now now we'll we'll take them to Texas the Stadium and. I mean, even, even now, some of the things, I mean, I'm sure things have gotten better at, at, uh, at uh, professional stadiums, but you know, they have a ramp where the buses actually drive down into the running right almost to the locker room. Yeah. You know? And they go in there and get out. You don't, you don't have to carry the bags anywhere. You just carry them straight from the, from the door of the bus into the locker room, maybe eight steps. Wow. That, that, that in itself. And then, you know, I, I was, you know, we didn't have the cell phones or the cameras back then. I, I wish we had, you know, it, it would have been a lot, it would have been a lot better. All we have are memories to depend on. But anyway, you know, I start to see the kids walking down that ramp. And and as you get closer to, to the field, you know, things start opening up. But it's still, it looks like, like it's dark, you know. Well, it's dark because of the hole in the roof, you know. We, we've all, we have all seen the hole in the roof and what it looks like. But to actually experience it and and be there, uh, it was it was it, it was totally amazing. And I, you know, you look at the kids—they're running around like little third graders, you know, jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's a, There were the cowboy lovers that were, uh, you know, taking in everything, and there were the cowboy haters that were stomping on the star. And uh, you know, you you got all kinds, but uh, uh, they enjoyed themselves, and and that's that's what we were there for. And and.
0: That is something I think they'll never forget. You'll no. never forget. But no. you're, you're right about, you brought up technology, Coach, uh, with you know not having the camera on the phones. If you had the technology that's available to you now, as far as huddle goes, as far as yeah. these programs, how much more different would have it been for
1: you as a head coach? Well, it would have been, it would have been a lot easier to prepare our teams in order to coach them correctly, uh, that that's for sure. You know, one of the things, uh, the uh, the day of the ball game that we're out in in uh, on the field in pregame, I was talking to Coach Line Weaver, and the first thing we, he asked me was, uh, you know, how many how many coaches do you have on staff? And uh, uh, we had one coach that stayed home, so I told him we had seven. And he goes, well, I have eighteen. Yeah. And and that was that was back then, you know. But now you, you look at things now, and I mean, there's no way I can relate. You know, I I've told the story, and, and you know, the old veteran coaches know this. When we had to trade film for uh, for the playoffs, we actually had to drive to Odessa and Lubbock and San Angelo and physically trade uh, the the VHS tape. So we had to do. Now, all you do is press a little button on the computer and bop, it everything comes up yeah so the, the those that's just one example of, of how differently things are and and of course, you know everything else has evolved as well, you know the offenses and the defenses you know and uh, i was I was at a football clinic a couple of weeks ago, and you know I was listening to defensive coaches talking about three man fronts and like for me and then for people. My age, I don't know how many people there are my age, but, uh, for those, for those of us that are left, a three man friend was unheard of. Right. right. Because, because we played running teams. We, we played against power teams. Now. Yeah. If you have a four down line, they better be athletic. Right. And those linebackers better be athletic. And, and most of the time they are, you know, that that's how, that's how everything has evolved. It,
0: everything has evolved. Uh, and it's grown, but for some reason, and I, and maybe you can shed some light on it. For some reason, a lot of coaches, especially here in El Paso, they still look to you. Your your impact on the game has not gone away, and a lot of coaches love to come up to you for advice. They like to come up to you for approval. They 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 continue to pick your brain, even though you're not in. You're you're covering the games, but right. as things have shifted and evolved and looked different. People still turn to you and that that's amazing in itself because I've worked with you for these past few years and i can I can see it your impact hasn't gone away and I don't think it'll go away but shed some light as to why maybe some of these
1: coaches continue to look to you and up to you well I mean uh first of all i uh it was my choice to stay around football uh yeah, I could have very well 15 years ago I' I've been retired fifteen years. Fifteen years ago, I could have just said, "Okay, I'm done. I'll forget about forget about football. You know, I'll move on with my life." But I I couldn't do that. <laughs> I had to find some way of staying in football, and and uh, calling football games. That was the way. You know, that was the way to stay close to. Them. And not only that, it, you know, I started seeing the coach tomorrow, and they started seeing me more often. And yeah, they'll they last for a little thing. I, I I'm very careful with telling them too much. Because for me, it's what it used to be, and what it used to be is not what it is now. Right. So the ex the ex is the most part of it. You know, I, I'm careful with what I. I mean, if they ask me, I'll give them my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think it, it's mostly about you know the, the programs and uh, you know how to improve. For example, practice schedules. You know, the, there's certain things that we did uh, off season that a lot of teams are doing now. And I get a lot of questions about that as well. So, and, and, you know, I, I appreciate them. They're messing. You know, I'm going to help them as much as I can. I just, Because to me, I just have to be careful that I, I don't want them. To, I, I don't want to give them the impression that, you know, what we did 15 years ago is going to work now because that's not necessarily <laughs> going to be the case.
0: <laughs> I You know, some things, you know, as things evolve, but there's just some things that just won't go away because right. it works so well. Right. But, right. you know, I, I see a lot of coaches now and I, I just wanted to ask you this too, is you see a lot of the kids that you coach growing them in become coaches. Some of them right. are head coaches now.
1: Yeah. And what's that feeling like for you? Oh, that's that to me, that's the ultimate that that's, that is the ultimate feeling. And then talking to them and, and, uh, you know them telling me, Coach, I'm I'm here because uh, of what you did, you know, uh, of what I saw you do. Uh, uh, coach is a perfect example at Coronado, uh, but I didn't even coach him at Coronado. I coached him at at uh, at Lincoln. You know? Oh wow! But uh, nonetheless, you know, we there there are players like that, uh, Luis Camacho, who's in Seguin, that uh, does the same thing. Joey Frias, I was in Chaparral. Uh, Scott Grantham who was uh, who was one probably one of the best quarterbacks to come out of Franklin uh he's a flower mound. he's the offensive coordinator so uh Ossian Horner is the defensive coordinator at uh, at Franklin so yeah there there's there's uh people that are around you know I I used to call them uh my kids cuz that's what they were <laughs> Of course they're, they're they're in their 30s now but yeah they 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 show a lot of respect for me and, and I I show a lot of respect for them and and what they've decided to, to do chose to do because uh these days uh it's not easy being a teacher and a coach
0: no no it's not i i know that you had to to coach and teach and i know that they they switched that for the head coach uh you know a few years back where they could just be the athletic director and coach Mm -hmm. and i know that that made it easier for them but you you had to juggle being a teacher then being a coach and we all know that when you're a head coach it's not just a head coach you're the head right. coach you're the manager you're the athletic director yeah. you're the therapist you're the father <laughs> you're you're a whole lot of things right. uh more than just a head coach so you could you could attest to how hard that was back
1: then no it, it was but i mean i i enjoyed it i really did you know i had other coaches that would tell me uh i can't wait till they, till they bring this rule about being an athletic director of the campus. It actually happened the day after I, I on that day, the year after I retired. Oh, that man. that rule was passed. But I, I don't know, to be honest with you, Christian, I don't know if I, if I could have handled that, you know, not actually teaching a class and having to you know, put up with all the people. Because one thing I, I, I really don't like is paperwork, <laughs> you know, and a lot of that is paperwork, scheduling a gym time, scheduling weight room time, you know, fixing schedules, transportation, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't I'm not I'm not the secretary type. Yeah, you know, I I'd rather be in there and, and actually teach I used to teach health and
0: I, I enjoyed it. I really did. So so for some people they, they jump up and down and say, I'll do paperwork because I get to be in my office, I can put right. film on, but for you it just might not have been a selling point. And there's probably no. coaches that are like that that rather not deal with parents or administration yeah. more thoroughly, and then trying to have all the coaches on the same page. They rather just teach a subject, then go coach. And then, exactly. you know, eventually go home. Cause I know it's mm-hmm. just not clocking in and out.
1: <laughs> no, no, it, it it is a little bit different, but yeah, it, it, everyone have, has a different uh, uh, system, a different way of, uh, uh of doing things. And, uh, I you know, I know today and in talking to some of the coaches nowadays, there's actually some coaching staffs that uh, that don't work on Sundays, you know, during the football season. Yeah. For us, you know, we, we got home from a Friday from a Friday game and you know, we started watching film that night, you know, until twelve, one in the morning, and then come back at eight o'clock on Saturday to get, get the field ready for the freshman and JB uh games. And then after those games were over, took a break for lunch and then came back and Started our our uh, our routine for the next week, breaking down film and and doing our our play cards for schedule, and then you know we'd leave Saturday uh, usually between ten and eleven at night, and come back on on Sunday. Yeah, I gave him a break on Sunday. I told him didn't have to come in until nine uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah you know, so uh you know that, that that pretty much helped a little bit, but you know we tried to put everything together, get the scouting report done, and everything uh, sometimes we we would we would have a uh, target time of three p m sunday uh didn't always hit it in fact, I don't think we ever hit it, but anyway, usually by about five uh, 5, five p m on Sunday we were done. Yeah. So now
0: add the element of having to travel to Odessa, San right. Angelo to get the film. Now yes. that it puts you behind, right? Because you'd have to yeah. send. Was it
1: you that would go get the film, or you would send somebody to go get it? Uh, it, it just depended. If if I if I wasn't uh, too busy with other things to do, I would go. I, w- I would drive to Lubbock and let let them stay and and uh, show film. Uh, you know, Saturday film and, and uh you know stretching and warm ups or whatever we did on on uh on Saturday uh, that's and that's one of the reasons why back in our time back then uh, it was Franklin Coronado was the last game of the season you know? and uh, we had to play it on uh, we had to play it on a Thursday it couldn't be on a Friday because Friday was our traveling day that's that's when we had to drive to Lubbock to, to trade film if we ever have to do that on sat on friday night uh, i mean play a game on friday night and have to do it afterwards uh, that that would be that would be a killer so yeah, you know, it in in uh, in some ways it did work out for us that way
0: so you purposely you coronado purposely got together right and put it at the end on thursday to kind of right. benefit
1: both of you yes sir that is okay. correct so, Coach, the, the
0: last question while we're talking about you, you look back on everything. You look back on the long days, the longer nights, the stress, everything. <laughs> and, and you left You left on a high note. You le- You left at the peak. But, okay, so there's two questions. One, was it all worth it? And two, did you ever have that inkling to turn back and do it all over again? You know?
1: Well, I would, uh, I would not trade it for the world. Uh, it it was something I, you know, to this day. Uh, and and as, as we're talking about, you know, as we're talking right now, Christian, it, it's the, those memories that come back. You know, it's you have to, you have to have been in those positions to actually truly enjoy it. I mean, I can talk about it, but unless you experience it, it it doesn't. Uh, it really doesn't. Uh, it, it's not worth uh, to be able to try to explain it. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, I, I've thought about several times going back. I, I, I really would, I, but I, I, I would like to go back on my terms, which most <laughs> school districts don't, don't really uh, would agree to those terms. Yeah, I, I would like to go back without without having to teach, and then you know just 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 do the coaching part. And I mean, there's a, I, I know there are some coaches that are that are doing that. But, uh, I mean, I'm 72 years old now. I, I don't know how much I can take being out there in the sun for two and a half hours every day and, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, you, you never know if if it wasn't for, uh, you know, my age. Uh, and, and that's why I look forward to, to working with you and Monster and, and Ace and, and having to actually be there on Thursday nights and Friday nights. That that gives me not the full rush, but it gives me enough of a rush to you know, to keep going. Yeah, it's just enough, right, to kind of
0: keep it. You know, and I, I yeah. feel the same way too. When you when you get there on a Thursday or a Friday, and it's it's game day, everybody's in their you know dressed to impress. The coaches are in their polos. The uniforms yeah. look nice, and we're just on the field soaking it all in without exactly. having to have the stress right. of, of trying right. to deliver yeah. a victory. Yeah, yeah it yeah. to it's be the I nice mean,
1: touch. You know the the actual rewards, uh, Christian, and I mean you know this because you, you played as well. Uh, the actual rewards are you know being on the field and and working with uh, your fellow teammates and, and and with coaches that uh, uh, that actually care about what's going on, you know. Because right. at the bottom line, at to me, the the worst day of the year for me every year was the day that we lost our last game. Because yeah. I I knew that those seniors they weren't coming back. You know, right. we 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 worked with them for four years, you know? and saw so them grow up, and then all of a sudden, after one game. They're done. Yeah you know, that that's what really that's what would bother me the most. I, I I think you bring a good point because for a lot of seniors
0: across Texas, they're all going to end on a loss, except right. for one team, one. except for the state title champion. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to go home. Because of a loss. And I think that's yes. what it hurts more because you're trying to avoid it. You're trying to avoid the inevitable. of Eventually you're going to find a team that's better than you, bigger than you, stronger than you. And it's going to be an uphill battle, right? But that's it. And you have to, you're at a crossroad where you're going to have to go all out because you know, this could be the end. Yes. And at the same time, you're going to defeat yourself because you know, it's not good enough. Right, and, and you hit that crossroad, and it gives you that mix of emotions. But then, when it's all over, the only emotion you have is just feeling down and disappointed that it oh. ended when it
1: ended. It, that exactly right. I mean, you know, to just uh, off the top of my head, I feel well, we were in Midland uh, this past weekend to to watch South Lake Carroll and uh, and America's to America's. By the way, did a great job. But uh, you know, it, it just struck me to to sit there and watch the team from South Lake Carroll. Uh, who are two-time defending state champions yeah you know, actually get knocked out of the tournament i mean they 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 stood around in the outfield sort just hugging each other and for it must have been 45 minutes they they couldn't it it, it, it couldn't I, I guess it didn't dawn on them that right. it's over you know it's over well, I mean, for so, two
0: years you advance as far
1: as you yeah, advance, right? And right. then you take like a a shorter trip around, and it's got to shock you a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, yeah, well, most definitely, most definitely. And and uh, I think, like I said, that that's that's what would bother me the most. Uh, you know, preparing that last week, knowing that you know we're playing Ulyss Trinity, and you know, unless things go really well, you know, the, the chance is not very good. Not to say we're we're going to go out there and say okay. Go ahead and beat us, you know. I mean, we were close at halftime that that day, but it's the, they're at, they're at a different level, and so you know sometimes you have to be realistic. Uh, you still you're still going to give it all you have, and 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 our team did that year. We just couldn't, uh, you know, we just couldn't go across and and get that done. But I, I'm I'm just as proud. I was just as proud of them uh, when they were freshmen and one district, and you know that last game that we played at Texas Stadium, same thing.
0: And you, you mentioned you, this Trinity's on a different level. I think right now that gap of next level is starting to close oh, between, nice. between El Paso and the other teams. I know for a fact, a lot of times we'd celebrate, you know, somebody getting in the third round uh, mm-hmm. of the playoffs, but I think now more than ever, our kids in this city, they're starting to close that gap where, this narrative that El Paso is just a, a, a bi-week for some of these teams. It's not going to be the same anymore. I think across all sports.
1: And, and that that's exactly right across all sports. I think is, is the key term, but you know, football has always been the one that would always trail behind it. And, you know, you look at what happened this past year with, uh, with Pebble Hills and with Eastwood and, you know, it's, there they are you we are closing the gap, and uh, that's another reason why I enjoy doing you know doing the football you know recently and then just helping to to broadcast It's just to look at the improvements that have been that have been made and the adjustments that the coaches make yeah to give the coaches a lot of credit you know they they have they, that the quality of coaching has improved from from the time that that I started to now it it has really improved and and there are now. Teams out of town teams that talk about El Paso, not just in football, but in baseball because of Americas and in basketball, you know, because of uh, uh, the teams that were successful. And so we're going to get eventually get to that point where, I mean, th- I mean, this right now we shouldn't fear other schools. And, and I know if you if you ask if you ask the players of those that teams that are going to by district and, and to area and to regionals Chapin U.S. Chapin. Uh, were they intimidated? not one bit uh, and and hopefully it, it gets to that. that's going to make us that much stronger. yeah, I think
0: back then the mentality was always trying to pep talk your kids, mm-hmm. hey, they sure. put they put their right. pants on just yes. like you, they make their bed just mm-hmm. like you and, yes and now I, I I don't think that's the pep talk anymore. No, I, think it, it's I think I think it's more about this is how we can beat them, and this right. and if we do this, 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 mm-hmm. we have a heck of a shot. So let's not yeah. let's not treat this out of town team any different than we would treat the rival across the street, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Because I remember one time our coach said, "Hey, they put their pants on just like you guys." And we said, "But coach, their
1: pants are way bigger." <laughs> that is true; they are way bigger. <laughs> but, but, but you're right that that makes. And I think another thing that made a difference it made a difference for us. And I know it makes a difference, but uh, a bigger difference now is. Uh, Having access to film, to game film, and actually watching film. I remember when I first started coaching, uh, the the coaches would watch film and break down film, but they wouldn't show it to the players. You know, no. they just make their own adjustments. Now, today, you have to watch. You have to watch a opponent. You can't tell them they're the same. They put their pants on the same. You, you have to put it on film and actually show. Them, Look, this is what they do. This, these are the mistakes that they make. Mm-hmm. You know? and let's capitalize on those.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. With with social media, with the access yeah. of everything, you can see yep. teams for who they are a lot faster and a lot sure. more uh quicker in your face. You understand that this team is beatable. And then you can find pinpoints where you're relatable to them. Yep. Where yep. they you know They do this just like we do this. Uh, Their offensive line is maybe just a little bit bigger than you, but it's not that much more of a difference anymore. Uh, Their quarterback is the same size as our quarterback. He's Mm 6'2", our quarterback's 6'2". So if they can do it, we can do it. And you can start to pinpoint and really make it realistic as to Hey, we're just the same as them, or we're just as close as them. So let's go out and and make it happen. We saw Eastwood do it in football. Yep. We saw Pebble Hills do it in football. We saw Chapin do it and Andrews do it in, in in basketball. And now we're starting to see it with with Americas
1: in baseball, right? You know? with, with Americas and, and with Hanks. You know, I I don't know if you've seen that Hanks team, but you know they're I think right now they're thirty nine and one. The softball team, right? The softball yeah, team. Yeah, they and, are tough. Uh, you know, they, they've, always, they've always had top teams, but, I mean, they, they are real contenders to get to the Final Four and not the championship game.
0: And, gosh, would that be amazing. for oh, yeah. Just for the confidence of all these kids, just to yep. see yep. every school here, you know, continue to climb that ladder.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you look at America softball. They made the Final Four last year. So, you know, things aren't proven as far as the, the softball programs are concerned. You know, soccer, you know, El Paso is always good in soccer. But it's just that, it's just to me, in being here for this long, I think it's, it's the mentality. The mentality has now changed for El Paso.
0: Yeah. And it has to do with, with parents wanting to have their kids travel yep. a lot more when they're younger, just to get right. that exposure in front of them. Yes. So it doesn't feel new to them when they go to Odessa, when they go to Midland, when they go to San Antonio, that right. doesn't feel new anymore. It, feels yeah. like i've done this for a good chunk of my life already
1: so i know what to expect exactly, exactly. and yeah you know, it, it just comes down in in, in most cases when you know, part of it is being mentally prepared you know uh, as coaches we're, our main goal is to be is to put them physically prepared and you know to to go with uh, uh to go into a ball game and and try and make adjustments and things like that but you know i, I used i like to stress the the, the metal Aspect. You know, one of the things that I would tell my players at Franklin before we were not on the field on game night is, you know, I would just tell them if you think you can't, you won't. You know? Right. Simple. Yeah, very simple. <laughs> simple. Very simple.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree, Coach. I, I think that gap is closing, and I think as long as you're around and I'm around an EP Sports Network with Mondo and Ace, as long as that thing is still going, we're gonna see the change. Oh yeah, every yeah. year, and we're gonna you know yeah. be on the road to be there for it. Exactly, uh, and and attest to the fact that the mentality is changing. Mm-hmm. True, very true. So, Coach, I know shifting gears here a little bit. I know you saw what happened with. John Morant and it's his second incident in months uh I think they were a little lenient with him right the first time around they they took his word for it they put him in therapy they suspended him for eight games and then yesterday same incident of of brandishing a gun on Instagram live comes up and immediately they suspend him from team activities coach what do you what do you do if you're Adam Silver, what do you do if you're the Memphis Grizzlies? What can you do uh, to get in
1: through to John Morant that this can't keep happening? Right, right. Well, I I mean, to me, it it, it seems pretty simple in the fact that, you know, you've got to show this young man what the penalty will be. It's not about it's not about suspending games, you know, I mean, he probably wouldn't mind not playing for eight, for eight games. You know, it doesn't bother him. But if you tell him, you know, we're going to cut half your salary, mm-hmm. you know, and you, know, or you, you're gone, you cut the contract's done. You know, uh, I mean, I'm sure there, there are ways to do that, but uh, it, he, it's gotta be a serious enough uh, consequence, punishment, for him to want to change the behavior, you know talk is cheap uh, and, and and I heard we all heard him talk about you know he he went to counseling and, and now he understands this, and he understands that, apparently, he doesn't understand no. it. <laughs> so i mean if if uh if the if the going to keep on treating it this way and okay, we're going to suspend you again, we're going to suspend you again, you're not going to see any change it, it it's not, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know you have to get to the root of the problem to me, the first thing that i that I always think about in, in these situations is uh you show me your friends and i 'll show you who you are right absolutely I mean <laughs>
0: recording why are we recording on instagram <laughs> exactly. live while, while we 're listening yeah. to music i mean we don 't there was only a hundred and something people watching, which isn 't a lot, but right. it only took one to record yeah. and, and find the weapon and then boom. It took one person. Yep. And, and there's no reason to, for him too, I, I, if you watch the Instagram live, his friend immediately dumps the phone down yes. when he sees the gun comes out. So his friend yep. is trying to look out for him. So it's yep. not just the friends being them, but Ja's kind of, Ja Moran's being them too. You don't need to pull it out. I know mm-hmm. in Memphis that it's, it's a little more dangerous and celebrities right. have died. So mm-hmm. I understand right. how, owning the weapon. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him owning it, but oh, no. I, but there's yeah. a problem brandishing it for the entire world mm-hmm. to see. There's nothing wrong with the protection. The problem is you keep showing the world that you have the protection. Yeah,
1: yeah. and and you know, just the, the other thing is, you know, John Moran is a he's a role model, right? You know, I mean, the kid has enormous talent on the basketball court. He really does. Uh, I mean, he's he's just yeah. You know, He's head and shoulders talent wise, but and you know th- there are kids that are going to look at the, up, you know, at him, and mm-hmm. you you can't you can't you know put videos out there holding guns after you have been told not to do it, right? Uh, I I just I, I don't understand. I, I really don't.
0: Uh, he was paid over two hundred million for the yeah. next five years. Yeah. Coach, you could give me $3 for five years. I'm not putting a gun right. on Instagram Live. It's just right. not that hard to to comprehend, to grasp uh, what's at stake. And right. to me, I think you said it best. They're going to probably have to suspend him. Uh, I would think in the 20 to 40 yeah. game range without pay, and I think 20, the, the minimum has to be 20 yes. because he would – automatically disqualify from any awards Mm -hmm. at the end of the year he couldn't be named all nba team to anything because the minimum is 65 games that you would have to play so 20 off of 82 takes him immediately off of that so that kind of cuts into his bonuses so i think that's a good starting point i think for nike they they gave him a signature shoe and i wonder uh You know, that conversation with Nike, are they going to give him a second shoe? I don't know. Uh, And and for Memphis, uh, they're trying to maybe restructure that contract so they can protect themselves as well. Mm -hmm. I just think the more that you, like you said, hit him where it hurts as far as money goes, uh, then maybe the message will get through to him. But I just don't think eight games when they did it the first time around was enough. And I just don't think that sent a message hard enough. And now what I think, too, it creates an issue with the next guy that makes a mistake. The president was, hey, you were easy on him, go easy on me, and I won't make the same mistake again. It opened up a a door from Adam Silver as far as being consistent with punishments. And we all, we both know the NFL is not consistent with punishment. And we thought for a while the NBA was, and now this has opened up a box for the NBA.
1: Well, it certainly has, and and now you, you, you're not just talking about one individual. I mean, he's the one that caused the problem, but you know, you're you're talking about you know the whole structure of the NBA and you know having to be in a situation where you know I mean, even today, I mean, there, there's critics right now that are that are talking about you know why are you giving him another chance? Why is he you know why is he still there? Why are you still paying him? I mean, you know, it's it's just uh, uh you get to the point where Where the way that people look at the NBA now, for some people, it might be a little bit different. And and I know he's 23,
0: and I know that that's young, but he's not a typical 23-year-old. He's got $200 million uh, that is due to him within time before he's 28, so he's not... Uh, a typical 23 year old so these are not typical situations so he has to walk a cleaner line and to mm-hmm. me this other point is this is when you appreciate a LeBron James a lot more a Steph sure. a lot more those guys walked uh, the line without any controversy when they were young they didn't Walk into it now, and you see guys like that, and you appreciate because you know that that window of LeBron, of Curry, uh, things like that—that that, that's going to close, and we're going to be left with guys like John Morant, where yes. we know they might not play because they might be facing suspension. So, mm-hmm. I think it, it lets you appreciate the the superstars that we have now because the future is not very clear as far as who's going to be those guys.
1: And and that's very true. I mean that that's a great point to bring up. And I mean, you know, things are are changing. You know, attitudes are changing. You know, they're change, they were changing from when I was coaching it. And 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 change is good. I, I'm not I'm not saying change is not good. But the problem is you you have to you have to uh, uh, sort of control the uh, uh, the method that of the way that things change. You know, if if this incident becomes, uh, you know, more Regular, as opposed to being a one-time thing. Well, we know it's not a one-time thing; it's already happened twice. (laughs) But uh, you know, the the sooner you can cut that off, you know, I I think would be an advantage to everyone. And 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 you're right. You know, Curry and LeBron and they 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 were in the same situation. LeBron probably a little bit more because he goes from high school as a superstar into the NBA, and uh, you know Curry at least had a couple of years of college, and and so did Moran, but you know, the the bottom line is, is is the same. There there's there's a responsibility that you're going to that you have to, to your team, to the league, and then to yourself most most importantly, but obviously those things don't matter. And you mentioned
0: control, you mentioned uh being able to have a, a handle over it. But now we'll shift down a little bit. The NIL and transfer portal, I think, is contributing to the problem that we have now with our pros. The NCAA tried to overcorrect what it was doing, in my opinion, incorrectly for a while and not necessarily taking care of the athlete to a certain extent. So then they opened up the NIL, uh, the transfer portal with with the COVID years and all that. It it led guys to just take off or girl or women as well. Take off. If you don't like the situation, hit the transfer portal. Now you throw the NIL into it. And now I think it's, it's a problem that's out of control. They tried to overcorrect it. I don't even know now coach, how they would handle it, how they would fix the name image and likeness payment because they've tied it to where it's not, you it's not contingent on performance.
1: It's contingent mm-hmm. on you showing up to that school. Right. And I think you're talking about, you know, the legal aspects of it, obviously, you know, you got signed contracts that, that you are obligated to, uh, to follow. And uh, you can't just go and say, you know, uh, LeBron James son, he makes I don't know I think he signed for six point one million So I don't know but I remember what I read you know you're not gonna go over and say you know you know what that experiment never mind we're not we're not gonna do that you know no. I mean those you can't you can't do that so mm-hmm. uh, and, and then like you mentioned the transfer portal that that just that just opens opens things up for uh, for everyone yeah you know? and uh, I guess in a way rightfully so I mean we've been we've gone so long with universities making multimillion dollars on athletes. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's the reason why all this started to begin with. Okay. And like you said they wanted to sort of even it out. But now I think it's gone a, a little bit more than what they thought it was, it was going to be. Okay. Right. And, and and it's 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 about the uh, uh you know the athletes that bring in the money. It's it's not it's not everyone, but uh, I mean it's enough to to throw the balance especially with the portal to throw the balance nowadays. I think more importantly in in basketball than in football, although it does happen in football. But but in basketball, you know, I mean, teams or oh, excuse me, players just jump from one to the other. They don't like mm-hmm. it here this year. Man, let's move. Let me move over here. See if I can get some over here. You know, so. it, you
0: got guys who I've seen that they're. Going to be seniors and they're transferring for the fourth time. You got, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you got guys that are going four years, four different teams. And yeah. then I, I just think the NIL was not constructed in a way that was no. productive. Uh, I yeah. think that you could maybe attach an NIL where it, it's not contingent on performance, like a signing bonus. Like if you sign sure. to the school, yeah. this is the X amount that you'll get and yeah. they should have capped it. Then the rest of the NIL should have been broken down like a contract, like it would have in the NFL based on performance, mm-hmm. based on, you know, them starting, whatever the case may be, because I've already seen and I know I think you have too, where kids sign NILs, it hits the bank account and then they say, Oh, well, I'm not gonna play anymore. That's right. And the NIL <laughs> is not attached to it, so I'm scot free with a bunch of million dollars and I'm going home. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> exactly. It, to, to me, I, I think the the NCAA has allowed this to get out of control ever so fast. Yes. And I'm not sure how they can reel it all in, or if they say starting this time uh, in two years, it's yeah. the NIL is contingent on performance. The transfer portal, we got a limit how many times you can transfer in a four year span. And two, I don't know if you saw this, but Stenson Bennett reportedly didn't yes. graduate from Georgia and had been there for 6 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what what was he doing for 6 years? Basket weaving? What was he what was he studied for 6 oh. years and oh. I think the best answer
1: was he was just there to play football, not not right. play school. Right. Right. And and you can't say you can't say, to say that officially, but and and that's the same thing. Uh, Christian, I wonder uh, these players that go jump from school to school, one school, uh, one school to another. When do they have time to graduate? When do they have right. time to study? You know, I mean, they obviously, they have to have some type of degree plan. Right. <laughs> and so every time you change schools, you're going to change your degree plan. So you're never going to graduate. I think, too, it's hard for certain schools. Certain schools won't accept certain
0: transfer right. credits. Right. Exactly. So a kid might be burning up a year, yeah. but some of those credits don't transfer. So it's like, oh, you got to start all over again, <laughs> yeah. or Oop, you yeah. got to do this all over again. So I just wonder the NCAA has a really big problem and they're going to have to dissect it. But again, it's going to result in a lot of issues, especially when you talk about uh, when they get into the NFL, when they get into Mm -hmm. the NBA, if they get that far, the problem with loyalty, the problem with running from adversity, I have no problem with them getting paid, but it's just the fact that we're Mm -hmm. seeing, I I saw a guy hit, we're, we used to have the signing parties in the gym. Hey, I'm right. signing to yeah. UTEP. Come get a, you know, a piece of cake and I'm going to sign and sure. put my hat on. Exactly. Now we're doing that with transfers. <laughs> yeah. We're having transfer portal signings, which <laughs> blows my mind. That's <laughs> like exactly what you mean. Because <laughs> 10 years ago, I, I thought we looked at transfers as, Oh, this kid couldn't make it there. Right. This kid's running from the problem. And now we're celebrating it. We're, we're having graphics made and hats, <laughs> yeah. and we're streaming yeah. it on YouTube or, or TikTok, and we're, yeah. we're celebrating the transfer, which to me, I, I just don't know if I look at it
1: like that. Yeah, well, it just glorifies things pretty, pretty much. <laughs> but, but uh, no, you're right. Uh, the NCAA, whoever's going to make the final decision on it, has to actually sit down and break down all... All the potential problems that could arise, and and, and like I said, it, it it may be a situation where okay, you can enjoy it now, but come in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty eight, whatever. Then right. everything's going to change. Well, yeah. In the meantime, what's going to happen? It's the, the same thing that's going on now. And I
0: just think when you have guys who are six years in, or because of COVID, because of redshirt, yeah, right. you know, we're still feeling those effects of the yeah. COVID year. Yeah. The only kids that are really suffering right now are the are the high school seniors yes. because they don't get recruited to no. come start. They don't no. get recruited to. They're they're recruited to like, for the future, like yeah, you come to our program, uh, maybe when you're a junior Mm -hmm. and you're red shirted, then we can start you. And for a lot of kids, that's hard to swallow that you're going to have to spend three years, red shirt year, then two more years under the program. And then maybe the last two years you can start before they transfer somebody in before they move somebody from Juco. So to, to me, the, the only ones that are suffering right now are those high school seniors, and they're still, with all that, with the COVID year, with the red shirt year, with everything that we've
1: seen, they're the ones that are going to continue to suffer for the foreseeable future. Yeah, they will. And, and you know, I mean, it's tough enough, graduating high school, looking around for for a place to play, uh, you know, trying to get, get the best deal you can. I mean, you know, I, I'm not talking about the top-notch, you know, players that are going to be recruited anyway. Uh, but uh, you, you you have a hard enough time trying to figure out you know wh- where would I like to go where am I going to fit and now you put you throw this <laughs> other problem into that and and now it's I mean I wouldn't be surprised if if we have some very good athletes say yeah you know what I'm just going to go to school yeah 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 I'm just going to
0: focus on me but I, I think too. There's an opportunity for those lower D2s, uh, those JUCOs to kind of step in and say, hey, you know what? We understand that you're going to want to transfer out soon, but why not get some college tape uh, while you're at it? We know here at a JUCO, eventually you have to leave. We're only a Mm two-year. So why don't you come put some tape on? Because if you go to that big D1 school, you're going to sit regardless. So it's going to be harder for you to transfer. But if you come here... You can actually get some real film, and we can help you get out of here. Right, I think right. that that has to be the point where though where those high school seniors and those JUCOs and lower D two, uh, maybe lower D one programs can can marry and amend yes. the issue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But put yourself in the NCAA's shoes. You're the you're the you're the one coach. You're the guy. You're going to make the decision to to amend all this.
1: What's the plan with the NIL with the transfer portal? Ah i mean there it was easy to get into it well no, it really wasn't that easy but you know it was fairly simple to establish the rules the way they are now uh what what i would what i would have to do is uh, uh try and figure out what is the easiest way to not not do away with it you know but but to adjust it and modify it to the point where it would fit better. And I, I know, you know, we're, we're talking about football and, and uh, basketball, but I mean, it's the same in all sports and, and it's the same in in uh, men and women. So in, in general terms, someone, obviously not someone, more than someone, but people, some people are not going to like whatever it is that, whatever decision is being made. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not, uh, not everyone's going to be in agreement with it. Uh, I I think to me the 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 most worrisome thing is uh the contracts, the legal aspect of it. Right. That would be something because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where uh you know you can be sued real easy and instead of trying to fix a problem, you're gonna create more problems. Right. I, I think the the
0: easiest thing out of everything is to change the NIL from contingent on Going to a school and making it to where it's treated, like I said, like an NFL contract or an NBA contract signing bonus if you enroll and, and come to this program. But the rest of it is paid off, whether weekly or monthly or seasonal, as soon as you play for this program. Yeah. Because it's going to force the kids to be there may it be for the one year. Versus getting the money and going or getting the money and then not training, bumping okay. themselves yeah. down on the on, on the depth chart and just putting it on cruise control because they won't get rewarded like that after this. They won't right. get rewarded in the NFL for putting it on cruise control, you yeah. know, uh, or the yeah. NBA or whatever you want to call it, whatever sport we're talking about. Yeah. But the thing is the reason why football and basketball are mentioned so much in this conversation is the other day I had read a financial report uh, mm-hmm. LSU Alabama Ohio State and Texas A&M football and basketball were their only positive revenue for the all of their sports yeah, uh, yeah. I believe LSU they posted a positive positive uh, 65 million dollar revenue on football they posted 7 million between women and men's basketball, and then everything else was negative a million, negative, negative half yeah. a million, negative 250 million. So uh, 250,000, excuse me. But those two sports kind of take care of everything else Yes, uh, in the order of which it's perceived. So that's where the problem is. Those, if you look at the transfer portal, it's football and basketball. Kids. Right. You don't see swimming kids getting on Twitter saying, hey, I'm entering the transfer portal. <laughs> you don't true. see it with track kids. We just yeah. see it with, with, with basketball and we see it yep. with, with football. And that's where the problem is, but that's where also the money is being made. So right. you're right. The, the, the problem is also the solution. The mm-hmm. problem with football and basketball is also the solution to keeping uh, the university in the green. So I, I, I wouldn't know what to do <laughs> thoroughly because it's,
1: it's just been a mess. Yeah, no, it has, but the, uh, I think that the the proposals that that you come up with uh, at least makes some adjustments to uh, to the problem, and and maybe as time goes on, uh, those those adjustments could could evolve into you know a a system that maybe is a little bit more, a little bit easier to handle and more successful. I mean, you know, only time will tell. It's right now, don't really know.
0: Right now, it's a mess, uh, but at least it's a competitive mess. At least we still uh, find ways to enjoy football and basketball, and uh, you see – you still see teams like St. Petersburg or um, the little Cinderella team that probably has no NILs probably has no endorsements Mm -hmm. and they will beat up on a one seat. That's what makes basketball all that much worth it. And then with, with, with SCC football and all the big uh, power schools, we're still seeing a struggle at the top. So it's still, the sport is still interesting. It's just an internal mess up and down and I just don't know when they're going to fix it, but I think we'll see something uh, down the road because this is not sustainable for the NCAA.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think it is either. I think at some point, you know, some things are going, are going to have to change uh, you know, in order to, to adopt to, to what's going on.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, whenever they d- get to that decision, I'm sure uh, we'll get on a podcast, uh, probably yeah. with Mondo and we'll yeah. probably could, could could, uh like criticize it and say well i don't think they they got it right i don't think we'll ever agree sure. with the NCAA no no exactly uh exactly. because it, it's gonna take baby steps yeah but uh, uh coach uh I just want to say thank you for being our my first guest on the bus stop uh thank you for coming on and sharing your story and giving some opinions we we had a pretty good conversation and I, I just want to say thank you once again.
1: Well thank you for having me Chris and I, I always enjoy uh, talking to you whether it's on the air or off the air. Yeah, We have some pretty interesting conversations, so I look forward to them. Coach, well, I'll bring you on uh, somewhere down the road again. We have to do sure. this once again. Sounds good. Sounds good.
0: So, again, a big thank you to the Hall of Famer, Coach Tony Rejava, for stopping on by on the Bus Stop Podcast. That's going to do it for us here today until next week. But uh, interact with EP Sports Network across all social media. Let me know what you think of the show And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, rate, whatever the, wherever you get this podcast, please interact with it. It helps us out here on EP Sports Network. But until next week, thanks for stopping by on the bus stop.